Merry Christmas. Today we celebrate the conclusion of the Christmas season of grace with the feast of the baptism of the Lord, the baptism of the adult Jesus by John the Baptist at the Jordan River when Jesus is around 30 years old. A common uh, reaction to this, particularly if you're not familiar with the life of the church, is wait a minute, zero to 30 in two weeks. We celebrated the birth of Jesus just over two weeks ago. Last Sunday, we focused on the coming of the Magi to the Holy Family when Jesus is just an infant, and now suddenly he's 30 years old. That is actually reflective of the scripture. Day by day in the church during the past two weeks, we have reviewed the infancy narratives about Jesus in the Gospels, and we heard on the Feast of the Holy Family together on that Sunday, the one story we have from Jesus' youth when he's lost by his parents when he's in the temple in Jerusalem. That's all the scripture tells us about the early years of Jesus. I would love to know everything about the early years of Jesus, but very little is passed on. I presume that reflects the fact that Jesus, who is born, the savior of the world, offers himself to the world as its savior, as an adult. The infant Jesus and the young Jesus are really wonderful points of reflection for us about how God was born into this world, about how God works in this world. But the bigger reality is that that savior born as a baby, that savior lost to his parents for a while when he's 12 years old, only as a mature adult goes out into the world in public and introduces himself to people to offer them salvation. That's the same for us in every generation until the end of time through the Holy Spirit. It's the adult, mature Jesus who offers himself to be our savior. As we launch into 2022, week by week in our lives, it's the relationship with that adult Jesus that we need to pursue in order to have salvation unfold in us. So on this Feast of the Baptism, this is what Jesus does right as he launches his public ministry. What I encourage you to consider about this is, particularly if you've been praying for the rebirth of Jesus in you and us through the grace of this season, what might be a connection between Jesus's baptism as he launches out into the world and us as we launch out into 22? Where might Jesus be reborn in us this upcoming year? So the baptism, John the Baptist, be sure we're on the same page. Remember, John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin, who, as an adult, is the final figure of the Old Testament and the first figure of the New Testament. John the Baptist tells his Jewish brothers and sisters, our spiritual ancestors, God who has promised to save this world through his chosen people, God who through the prophets has taught us generation after generation that somehow God is gonna save us in the future. God is about to do it. John the Baptist tells people, the anointed one of God, the Messiah, the savior is really going to come into this world. And he tells people, you need to be prepared. We did this during Advent. People follow what John tells them to do. They go out into the desert, to the Jordan River, and they're baptized. This is a ceremonial washing, just like a lot of other Jewish ceremonial washings. There's no idea here that people are being transformed through this baptism, but it's really important. They go into the water of the Jordan River, they go in under the water, and they say this symbolizes 
I am dying to my sin. I'm turning away from my sin. And when the people come out of the water, they're saying, I am living a new life. I'm waiting for the coming of the Messiah. We looked at this in Advent. I'm going to live a more holy, just life because I'm preparing for the coming of the Messiah. So it's really striking that Jesus, the Son of God, chooses, surely because it's his Father's plan, his Father's will, Jesus, of all things, chooses to enter into that baptism. It's striking because Jesus doesn't have any sin. Jesus doesn't have any sin to renounce. And Jesus isn't waiting for the coming of the Messiah. He knows very well that he is the Messiah. So why would Jesus explicitly choose to enter into that baptism? No one has one answer to that. There are all kinds of answers, and I invite you to consider them this week. Some of the meaning of his baptism that's important for us is probably just to, at least for me, it opens my eyes to the wonders of how God works through Jesus and how specifically God works. When Jesus enters into that baptism, for example, he clearly affirms that everything John the Baptist has been teaching is true. Everything he's been telling people to do is true. That means a lot to you and me. Many of us during Advent actually entered into what those people did preparing in the baptism of John to prepare for the coming of this Christmas season. Everything John teaches is about our Jewish heritage. When Jesus enters into that baptism, he's clearly affirming the perennial truth of everything that God has given us through his chosen people. I am sure that when Jesus enters into that baptism, he's foreshadowing what he ultimately does for this world. He enters into the sin of this world and he dies. He ultimately really dies in order to bring the fullness of God's life to this world. When Jesus enters into that baptism, it reminds me, which I need reminding, of the ultimate baptism he offers the world. The baptism you and I have received, many of us, through which salvation is breathed into us. So some of the details just make me say, it is amazing how God works. What I particularly push you on this week is, what details of Jesus's baptism may be really important when I get up tomorrow morning and for my plans for this year. I'll give you three ideas to get you going. Last week, two. This week, three. All right, number one. When Jesus is baptized, the three accounts in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke of this are pretty much the same. A few small details different. After Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit visibly descends on Jesus. Luke says it's in the form of a dove. You can just imagine this. And the voice of God the Father is heard. God the Father says either to the crowd or to Jesus in Luke's version, but clearly Jesus doesn't need to hear this. It's for other people to hear. This is my beloved son, or you are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. God the Father speaks to the world 2,000 years ago at the baptism of Jesus, and he speaks as clearly to the world today. Jesus Christ is his one and only son. Jesus Christ has the fullness of God's pleasure. There is one savior of this world, one and only Jesus Christ. The fullness of God's love 
is revealed only through Jesus Christ. If you recognize you need a savior, as in, you can't on your own get yourself to God. If you recognize that you're a sinful, limited person, hopefully less than I am, but in any way like I am, and that you can't get yourself back to God. If you recognize that you need a savior to teach you how to love and to teach you what's right and wrong, if you realize that you need God to save you from death, ultimately, to bring you to eternal life, Jesus Christ is the Savior, the only Savior. He is meant to be, once I understand this truth, at the center of my life. And you know, he demands, once he introduces himself to people, that he be at the center of our lives. There's no reason to look elsewhere. Once I get it, once I get him, that's it. Insofar as anything or anyone is for good reason or bad reason at the center of my life, I intend in the year ahead to adjust that, meaning me, if I am at the center of my life instead of Jesus. Another person, money, my career, my anxieties, my selfishness, entertainment, political things, Insofar as anyone else or anything else is in the place where the Savior should be, I intend to make adjustments to put him there and to allow him to show me where other people and other things and certainly where I should fall into the proper place. If that's what you intend to do coming week by week to this Eucharist, blessed are you, it's a really good plan my plan is to come here Sunday after Sunday to listen to his word, to pray with you, to grow in him, and hopefully to receive him in this Eucharist, to allow him to be who he is in my life. Perhaps that is where he will be born. Number two, when Jesus enters into that baptism, he goes into the fullness of John's baptism which is the fullness of human sin. Jesus doesn't come to this world and lightly touch on your sin and my sin. When Jesus comes to this world, he comes fully into the depths of all human sinfulness of all time, before, then, and until the end of time, in order to save us. I don't think any Christian would say, hey, I don't believe that. Of course Jesus enters into the fullness of sin. But do I accept that day by day? Not necessarily. So about myself, yourself, do I accept that Jesus wants to enter into the sin that I really like, that I cherish, my sin that I really enjoy? Do I accept that Jesus wants to enter into the sin of which I am so ashamed, the things that even my spouse does not understand, the really, really evil darkness that I've chosen to live? Do I accept that Jesus wants to enter into the sin that I'm pretty much convinced I can't get out of it? I have made such a mess of my life. That doesn't automatically come. And about other people, do I accept that Jesus wants to enter into the depth of sin of the people whom I despise, 
the people who have really hurt me, the people who are ripping apart this world and this country, the people who hate Jesus, who really hate him, can I accept that he wants to enter into the depth of their sinfulness, particularly if it means I'm gonna to have to be an instrument of that? Not necessarily. So in the year ahead, I intend, first and foremost, to come here with you, Sunday by Sunday, to try to let him in to the depth of my sinfulness and our sinfulness, and to try to let go particularly of the reasons I don't want him to save other sinful people. If that's part of your plan, I think it's really great, and perhaps that's where he will be born. Third and finally, when Jesus is baptized, he makes it clear that he is like us. He's not God with a human body, but he's not really human, like the divine Eminem. He's just God, but he's got this flesh outside. Jesus really, truly is a fully human being, something that helped me years and years ago. If you try to imagine yourself at that baptism, if you put yourself into the scene, which is an easy way to pray with the scripture, if you imagine yourself there, you've just been baptized, Jesus comes along, he's been baptized, then you either hear this voice of God saying who he is, or later in your life, you come to understand he's actually the son of God. I imagine that I would have said, I thought he was just like us. I thought he was another guy. I thought he was another person. He is another person. He's a fully human being. He knows everything about human life. He has lived every struggle. He has had every temptation, the scripture tells us, without sinning. He is like us in all ways but sin. You don't have to sin. You're not supposed to sin to live a fully human, challenging, rigorous life. So when I say nobody understands me, he really does. When I say God can't relate to my life in 2022 in Lawrence, Massachusetts, with what's really going on in the ground, he totally can and he's totally with me in it. When I think, and I really do think this, I cannot get out of the mess of my life and I question whether he can really do it because how could he relate to the mess I've made? He really can. The issue is, will I let him in? Will I allow him to change me? Will I learn from him? Will I do what he tells me? And will I become like him? If that's what you plan to do, first and foremost, week by week, coming here to let him in and to try to become like him, he will be reborn in you. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.